2, Luke chapter number 2. And uh, when you find Luke chapter 2, let's go ahead and stand together. As you're standing, let me say a happy belated birthday to Brother Brent. Yesterday was uh, his birthday and looks great for 50, doesn't he? <laughs> looks real good. And uh, we have Brother Brent a gift ordered. It's just not in yet. And you would not think it would take that long to get a Harley Davidson in. But <laughs> evidently it's slow shipping this time of the year. But we appreciate Brother Brent. Thank the Lord for giving him another year of life. And uh, he's such an asset here to our church, means a lot to our church. And you be sure you get by and let him know. Uh, he, uh, he does take cash, uh, checks payable to Brent Bartlett, Disney World Fund. And uh, he, uh, he's a blessing to us. And it's important to let people know how much of a blessing they are to us here at our church. And I, I never realized all that Brother Brent did, obviously, before I got here, and I'm still realizing all that he does and uh, what a blessing he is to me personally as the pastor of this church. And uh, he does so much that many do not know, and I appreciate that. Also, have another, I believe, Brother Tyler Matthew, is that correct? Your birthday? Amen. It's his birthday. Your dad told me to embarrass you this morning, so be sure you get by and let Brother Tyler know uh, how, how thankful you are for him as well. Luke chapter number two, and this morning we're going to continue our series on waiting on Christmas. We began it last week, and we're looking at different characters through the uh, first Christmas. And last week we looked at Mary and Joseph, and today we're going to look at the shepherds in verse number eight of Luke chapter number two have a, a little bit uh, extra to cover today, so we're going to jump right in if that's all right. The Bible says in verse number 8, and there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. Well, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. The angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. This shall be a sign unto you, ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Verse 15, the last we'll read, the Bible says, And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem, and see this thing which is come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word this morning, and we do thank you for that holy night. Father, we're thankful for you being willing to send your son, Lord, to live and to die and arise again for us. Thank you for the hope of heaven that we have in Christ. And if there's one today who doesn't have, Lord, that steadfast, sure hope that heaven's their home because of Christ, I pray, Lord, you'd make that known to them today and they'd come down during the invitation time and accept that most perfect gift of Christmas. For those of us that are saved and have trusted you already, help us not get caught up in the traditions and miss out on the truth of this wonderful season. And Lord, embrace all of the wonderful gifts Christ came to bring to us, Lord, as we just read about. And I just pray your will be done today in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. As we continue this series, Waiting on Christmas, I want to explain a little bit to you about why we gave it the title that we did. 
Uh, oftentimes in this season, uh, this season brings a lot of opportunities. It brings a lot of occasions, a lot of events, things we go to, things we participate in. And oftentimes we look forward to this season for months and months before it ever gets here. Uh, I know probably around uh, maybe February or March, I will start looking forward to Christmas again. Now, it takes me from January to February to kind of get over the hustle and bustle and the planning and the preparation and all that went into making Christmas what Christmas was. And so by usually maybe February or March, I am looking forward to it already. I was thinking this morning about the family gatherings that seem to always really culminate around Christmas time. We have family reunions and things throughout the year, but oftentimes Christmas, one of the focal points of the holidays is we get together and there's music that we sing usually only around Christmas time and we can't wait for those, those times to begin. And I don't know about you, but there's some coffee drinks that I like around Christmas time that they only make around this time of the year. And I cannot wait until this season rolls around that we might be able to partake in those things that only kind of come for a limited time. I mentioned a moment ago when I prayed that oftentimes, I think we mentioned this last week, we get caught up in the traditions of this season. We miss out on the truths of this season. We have all these things to do, places to go, and we're waiting on the family gatherings, and we're waiting on the gift-giving time, and we're waiting on the, uh, the, the staff parties and things along that line, and oftentimes we're waiting on things that really pale in the comparison of all the things that Christ has already brought us when he was born this first Christmas that we read about this morning. Last week we looked at Mary and Joseph, and we looked through their eyes and what they were waiting on. When the angel of the Lord came to Mary and Joseph, he made all of these promises of what Christ would be. And last week we looked at how Christ was the Messiah. He was Jesus, the Christ, the one who would pay for our sin debt of the past. But then he was also Emmanuel, a God with us who accompanies us in the present. And I'm going to tell you that's one of my great, the greatest promises of Christ is that we have Emmanuel, God with us today as we walk and we live in this world. But not only that, but we looked at the son of the highest last week where he will come and he will rule and he will reign and we will be able to rule and reign with him. But today we're going to look at the shepherds. And we're going to look at this first Christmas through their eyes. The Bible says in verse number 8 of chapter 2 that on this evening, that O holy night that Brother Heath just sang about, there were shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. <clears throat> now, I don't have time this morning to go into this. It doesn't really directly apply to the message, but it's really interesting and fascinating when you begin to research the shepherds that were here that night. Now, God does not tell us exactly who they were and what particular group they belonged to, but we're left to speculate. And if you'll do some studying about the shepherds, particularly those that were in the area of Bethlehem, you'll find that just north of the city of Bethlehem, there was a particular group of shepherds, and those shepherds were given the task and the responsibility of overseeing the lambs that would be part of the sacrifice in Jerusalem. Their, their flock and their field was located on the major trade route between Bethlehem and Jerusalem, and so that it was just easy access that was there. And when you study these shepherds, we don't know if this was them, but when you study these shepherds, there's some striking similarities that make you wonder if these were not the Levitical shepherds that we can read about in the Old Testament. When you read about this night, the Bible says they were watching their flock by night. When you read about the, the sacrificial lambs that would be given back in the book of Levit Leviticus, you'll find that the Bible teaches that those lambs were kept outside. 
For 365 days, they were only brought in four days before they would be sacrificed. And here we see these are sheep that are outside. Something interesting about these Levitical shepherds, we'll get into the message momentarily, just bear with me, is that they were required, they were trained, and they were taught in how to recognize a lamb that was born without spot or blemish. When those Levitical shepherds would look at these lambs that were born, they were looking for ones that fit the Old Testament criteria for one that would be offered as a foreshadowing of the lamb, Jesus Christ, without spot and without blemish. What's interesting is the way that they would care for those lambs that were born without spot or blemish. To keep them without spot or blemish, they would wrap them in what is known as swaddling clothes. It almost seems as if God was foreshadowing, if this is who these shepherds were, that he would choose these people to be some of the first to come and recognize the last lamb. I can't tell you this morning that this was Levitical shepherds, but just the way that God seems to work through Scripture and how often he gives us foreshadowings of what he is desiring to do, if I could give you my opinion this morning, I believe this is who this was. And I believe that God, in verse number 8 and verse number 9, came to these shepherds to go and to see the last lamb that was given. Now, here's what's interesting. Regardless of who they were, The experience in verse number 8 and verse number 9 would be life-changing. Can you imagine this morning that you're out there in the field and you're watching over your sheep and all of a sudden the heavens erupt in song and the angel of the Lord begins to speak to you? Can I tell you, a very ordinary night is about to give way to the extraordinary These men did not understand. They didn't know exactly what was going on. And as they went to work that night, you see there were shifts. There were watches. There were four, three-hour shifts. And the Bible says they were keeping their watch by night. They were watching their flocks on that particular watch. And I'm assuming just as I go throughout my life, it was just another routine day. But it was about to become anything but routine. Here's what I want you to key in this morning on the message. It'll take us a moment to get into it, but I believe if God can reveal to me and speak to my heart exactly what he wants preached, and he can speak to you regardless of how long it takes us to get into it. As we look at this this morning, we can probably all agree this was the greatest unexpected event of their life. All of us have unexpected events happen. Uh, There's probably not a day goes by in my life something unexpected happens. It's a phone call, a text message, an email. Something comes up out of the blue and something happens in my life that's unexpected. And I hate to say it, a lot of times the unexpected things that happen in my life are not always good. Sometimes my life gets turned upside down. My day gets uh, switched around backwards, and it's not for good reasons. But can I tell you, this was the greatest unexpected event of their life. God was about to interrupt the routine of their day. God was about to interrupt what they thought was just going to be a normal night. And as we begin to pray about the second message for this series, I begin to think to myself, that's exactly what we need. Oftentimes, we get caught up in the routine of life. Oftentimes, we live in this cycle of our schedule. We're kind of like the planets that just float around out there in orbit, and we get caught up in the routine responsibilities that we have in life, and yet what we need this Christmas, 
I believe all of us to some extent is we need God to interrupt our life, to interrupt our routine and do something totally unexpected. And so even though these shepherds did not know what Christ was about to do, what God was about to do, I believe if you'll notice verse number eight and we'll jump into this. The Bible says there were shepherds and what were they doing? They were abiding. You know what abiding means? It means they were waiting. And I believe what they were waiting on was something unexpected. And God was about to do something unexpected. So this morning as we'll continue this series, Waiting on Christmas, let's look at this subject of waiting on the unexpected. Now, bear with me. We need to see ourselves this morning as these shepherds. Oftentimes in the routine of our day, in the schedule of our life, we have a place for everything and everything has its place. And yet oftentimes God is on the outside. Oftentimes we go to work, we have our children, we have responsibilities, and now we have the holidays and all of these things going on. And sometimes we can get caught up in so much of the routine, we just need God to interrupt things from time to time and do something totally unexpected in our life. I believe a lot of us are like the shepherds in verse number 8. We're abiding and unaware that God is at work. Folks, listen to me. I think oftentimes we come to church, and I'm thankful you're here. But folks, we're not just to come and be here. We're to come and allow God to do what God desires to do. And listen, whether you expected God to do anything in your life today, God has expectations for every one of us. And God wants to do something extraordinary, but we've got to get to the place where we're not just content to abide. Now, why? Number one, notice what's about to happen here. Notice that God revealed through the unexpected. Now, that may not be the perfect grammar, but understand this. The reason that God interrupted the routine of what was going on is because he wanted to reveal something to them. Now, folks, understand this. I remember as a nine-year-old child, that was the first time that I can clearly remember the Holy Spirit of God speaking to my heart and letting me know that I was lost. Now, I went to church on that Wednesday night. If I remember correctly, it was a Wednesday. I went to church on that Wednesday night expecting it to be like any other service. I would go to church. I would sit through the message. And then afterward, we'd play hide-and-go-seek in the church. We were heathens. Uh, we'd later go and play hide-and-go-seek in the cemetery at my dad's church. I'm talking about preacher's kids. We can be the most heathens that are out there. But I came to church, all right? I was there. I was abiding. And I was not expecting God to do anything. Anything. But aren't you glad that God is not limited to our low expectations? Now here's the shepherds, and they're going through the routine. They're keeping their watch. They had their particular schedule on their three-hour period that they would watch these sheep. And they weren't expecting God to do anything. But aren't you glad that God can interrupt whether we're expecting it or not? Some of you may have come this morning, and you weren't expecting to get anything out of the message. I understand that. Sometimes I don't get anything out of my own messages either. But I'm glad that God can work in spite of my low expectations. 15-year-old kid, when I went to, uh, we were at, uh, at, at Smite, at Missions Institute, and Thursday night, I believe it was, I can't remember exactly the date, but Thursday night, uh, I went to service that night, once again, just wanting to get through the service. Services can be long there. And I went through the service just trying to stay awake, to be totally honest with you. If you fell asleep, you got hollered at. 
I'm just trying to stay away. I wasn't expecting to surrender to preach. I wasn't expecting God to do anything. But I'm so thankful that God interrupted my life that night and revealed to me his will for my life was to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, here's what I wonder this morning. I wonder if we're not like the shepherds. And I wonder if we're not going through our routine of our life and we're keeping all the watches of our life and yet God desires to interrupt your life this morning and reveal his will and his work to you. Here's our problem. We don't like to be interrupted. We don't want God to mess up what we've got going. We don't want God to turn our life upside down as he would the shepherds. I'll show you in a minute. That's not always a bad thing, but I believe a lot of times God comes to his church. As in Revelation chapter 3 and verse number 20, what does the Bible say? Behold, I stand at the door and knock. I want you to think about that. Christ is knocking at the door of the church. Do you know I know many churches and many Christians who won't answer? Why? Because if Jesus comes in, he's going to interrupt what they've got going. We don't need God to interrupt that by bringing strangers into our church. We Listen, we don't need to let Christ interrupt what we've got going on here because we've got a good system. We don't need the power of God. Listen, I don't need God coming in and messing up my life. I like my life the way that it is. And I'll tell you something this morning. You're going to miss out on what God wants to do. Can you imagine these shepherds? Now, I wasn't there. I can only use my imagination. And I'm glad I'm only 39. And I still have an imagination. I hear you lose it at some point in your life. And I, I hope I never lose mine. I'd, re- I'd rather keep losing my hair than to lose my imagination. I imagine they're sitting there watching their sheep. The heavens begin to open up. And the, the Bible goes on to tell us in verse number 12, verse 13, that the angels are singing. Can you imagine the shepherds looking up and says, could you guys pipe down just a little bit? We're watching our sheep right now. Hey, we got work to do. Uh, I mean, look, I, that's good singing. Uh, we appreciate the singing, but we've got things going on right now, and you're interrupting what we've got. Uh, boy, my goodness, I can't imagine that happening. And yet, that's what we do to God. God comes to us in His church service, God comes to us through His Word, God comes to us through His Holy Spirit, and God tries to interrupt our life because He wants to reveal His will and His work to us, but we don't want to be disturbed. We were at vacation a few weeks ago, and I didn't realize it, but we hung that little do not disturb thing on the door so the housekeeper wouldn't come in. They can bust up in there, uh, just, just bust up in your room, you know, and scare you to death. You know, didn't have my hairs brushed over, you know, not looking all nice. So we had that sign on the door. We got back to the room one day, and the room wasn't cleaned. I'm thinking, look at this. Pay all this money for a Disney World vacation, and they didn't even clean our room. And I went out there and I looked, and I realized we left that sign on the door. They didn't come in and do their work because they were not welcomed. Now, folks, can I tell you, God desires to do a work in your life. God desires to do a work in your heart. God desires to do a work in your home. But so often, he comes to the door and knocks and sees the sign, do not disturb. I believe churches all over this country this morning, that sign is hanging on the door. Do not disturb We don't want God to mess up what we got going. We're happy and content just the way that we are. And oh, how these shepherds would have missed out if they had not allowed God to interrupt their life to do the extraordinary. Now think about this. If you're here today and you came with low expectations on what God could do and you decide to side with your low expectations, you're the one that's going to miss out. 
One of the greatest fears of my life is missing out on what God could have done. I don't want to stand before God and hear about all of the things that he wanted to do. I don't want to stand before God and, and say, remember all of those times that I knocked. Remember all of those times that I wanted to interrupt your life and interrupt your routine and interrupt your schedule to do something wonderful. But you wouldn't allow me. So number one, notice that God revealed through the unexpected. Now, this morning, you may not have expected God to do anything, but that doesn't limit God wanting to reveal something to you today. You may not have come here expecting God to show you that you're lost and in need of a Savior, but that's not going to hinder him. Anyway, he wants to show you. You may have come here this morning saved, but you're stagnant. You're lost in your routine. You're caught up in just the mundane cycle of life, and God wants to show you his will. God wants to show you that he desires to work in your life, and you didn't expect that happening. But listen to me. God can reveal it to you all the same, but you've got to be willing to answer the door. I think about Naaman this morning in 2 Kings chapter 5. It was hard not to go to Naaman. And how Naaman had leprosy. Oh, he had a great need in his life. There was no cure for it. So he sends word to Elisha, and Elisha sends word back to him. Elisha didn't even go to him. Elijah just sent messengers. He says, look, go dip in the muddy Jordan seven times. Elisha's telling him how he can have relief of the need in his life. And Naaman gets mad. The Bible says he was wroth. Why? He says, well, here's what he says. He said, I thought he was going to come out here and wave his hands. And I thought he was going to put his hand on the place of my wound and, uh, and the infirmity that I have. And it was all going to be healed. And he tells me to go jump in Jordan? Yeah. Can I tell you, Naaman almost missed out on God working in his life because of his expectations. I thought God was going to do this. I thought the preacher was going to do this. And I thought this and I thought that. But finally, he just had to get on the same page that God was on. Now, folks, whatever your expectations are here for your life today, hey, that's great. It's good to have plans. I appreciate people who make plans and who try to live by a plan and you work at that plan. Nothing wrong with that. But you should never be afraid of letting God interrupting your plans. I'm on my way to heaven today because God interrupted my plans. Look, I get to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. I get to pastor this wonderful church. Why? Because I allow God to interrupt my plans. And when God interrupts your plans, listen, don't be afraid of that this morning. He wants to reveal something to you. What did he reveal to them? Well, verse 11, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Folks, if we don't allow God to do what he desires to do today, it's going to cost us, and we're the ones that's going to miss out on it. Think about Moses this morning. God didn't make an appointment with Moses to have the burning bush. God didn't say, Moses, tomorrow morning about 9.45 a.m., you're going to be on the backside of the desert. And when you walk around the backside of the desert, there's going to be a bush on fire, and I'm going to speak to you through the bush. No. Can I tell you, I believe when Moses walked around the corner and he saw that bush on fire, it was somewhat unexpected. Because it wasn't unexpected to God. It was all part of God's plan. Look, when God called Abraham, listen, you all throughout Scripture, you'll see God calls man and God reveals his will based on his timetable. Oftentimes we figure God in on the latter end of it. I'll get around to that later. But Galatians chapter 4, the Bible tells us that God works in the fullness of his time. His time. I don't know what God has planned for you today, folks, but you ought to allow God to interrupt your schedule just for a moment. 
It's sad sometimes. Listen, sometimes God desires to work, but because we've got lunch on our schedule, we don't have time to go down to an altar and deal with God. We miss out. Why? Because we didn't allow God to interrupt because we weren't expecting him to. Luke chapter 14, we see where great supper's prepared. Something good is on the table. The Bible says that he bid his servants go out and invite others to come in. And the Bible says one man says, I can't. I can't come for what you've prepared because I have a, I've bought some land and I must go and see it. Another man says, I've bought some oxen and I must go prove them. Another man says, I, I've married a wife and I cannot come. What are they saying? I can't let that interrupt what I've got going. Can I tell you that, inter that interruption was something good? That interruption was something they would have loved, something they would have enjoyed. And this morning, God sets a beautiful table and he invites man to participate. Can I tell you something? You ought to not be mad when God wants to interrupt your life and show you something. You ought to be glad that God wants to show you anything at all. Amen. God could have kept this good news to himself. You imagine these shepherds, how blessed they were that God wanted to include them on what they were doing. You say, man, I wish I'd have lived back then. You know, the privilege is no different today. When God speaks to our heart and God desires to work, he's wanting to show us what he's doing. He wants to show us what his will and his work is for our life. What's interesting is I think about these shepherds, if these were the Levitical shepherds. Here's what's interesting. They were in charge of preparing those lambs for sacrifice. And yet Christ was coming to be the last lamb. You see, he was the end of that routine. Think about it. Every year, the Passover, they would prepare these lambs. They would find the ones without spot or blemish. And every year, year in, year out, this routine. But can I tell you what Christ came to do was to end this old, same old routine of worship. Maybe this morning that's what God desires to do here. Maybe God wants to interrupt our life. Maybe God wants to interrupt our church service to go just a little bit past 1230. I lost half of you right there. Can I tell you, missing out on the, uh, on the white meat at the buffet is worth seeing God do something? Yes. Missing out on getting to your favorite restaurant and missing out on getting to see the kickoff of the ball game, can I tell you, it'd be worth it to be a part of what God wants to do. But our problem is we will allow God to interrupt what we got going on. God, look, I'm giving you the third watch. This is it, and I'll fit you in when I can, and oh, you're going to miss out. Number one, God revealed them, revealed to them through the unexpected. But watch this. Boy, this is a beautiful picture. Verse number nine, we can see ourselves. God comes and God wants to reveal uh, his will to us through unexpected circumstances. And notice verse number nine, and lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. The Bible says, and they were sore afraid. They were sore afraid. Notice number two, the shepherd's reaction to the unexpected. I see myself here because oftentimes when God comes and wants to interrupt my life, I'm scared of it. I'm scared of it. We're not creatures of change. We like to have things in our normal schedule. We like to keep things in our normal routine. And when God comes and tries to change things up, we're with those last two words in verse number nine say, we're sore afraid this is why we're resistant to God interrupting. You know, if you're saved here this morning, you ought to know what the Holy Spirit of God sounds like. I've never lived in anybody else's body, so I can only tell you what it's like in mine. It's a still, small voice. It's kind of a tug. 
where he tugs on my heart and lets me know. And, oh, I've been sitting in church services so many times, and you feel that. First thing that happens is my neck gets hot. I don't know what the physical term is called for that, but my neck gets hot. It gets scary. Why? Because I know what that noise is. I know what that tug is. That's the Holy Spirit. And I, Lord, I come to church to get fed today. Amen. That's good. I come to church to hear preach today. Amen. That's good. I didn't actually come here for you to do something. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit wants to work, and the invitation begins to play. How many times have we stood there? I'm talking about after we got saved. Have we stood there at an invitation time, and we know that God's trying to do something? And what are we doing? We're exactly what they're doing in verse number 9. We are afraid. Now, why are we afraid? Well, because we're afraid of the unknown. We don't know what God's doing. I remember when God began to, to work in our heart. We didn't know we were moving here, but there was an unsettledness. You know, as the eagle stirs its nest, God has a way of unsettling your heart. We weren't sure what was going on, but I was scared. Because just about any other time the Lord stirs our heart, it's because he's about to bring about change in our life. And I don't like change. I drink out of the same coffee cup every day. I really do. I got the coffee cup pot on my, uh, cup on my desk. and Sometimes I don't even wash it out from day to day. Kind of gives it that seasoning in it, you know? How they do frying pans. Kind of get that seasoning down in there, you know? I like my routine. I don't like it when my schedule gets turned upside down and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit begins to tug on my heart. I'm like, shh, uh-uh. Go away. Why? Because I don't know what you're about to do. If, no, if God would map it out, wouldn't it be great if God mapped out your entire life? Yes. Said, all right. When you're 30 years old, you're going to do this. When you're 31 years old, this is going to happen. When you're 39 years old, your hair is going to fall out. When you're 40 years old, you're going to kill a monster buck. I mean, wouldn't that be great? But God doesn't do things that way. God, listen, God expects us to just simply trust him in what do we call faith. You see, we get afraid of when God wants to work in our heart because we can't see what God is doing. Fear and faith cannot coexist. How do you get rid of fear? Well, you replace it with faith and say, you know what? I can't see what you're doing, but I trust that you can. Isn't that wonderful? I can't see exactly what you're doing in my heart. I can't see tomorrow, and I can't see next year, but I'm going to trust that you know what you're doing. Folks, understand this morning, the shepherd's reaction is the same reaction we have. There's nothing wrong with fear, but understand this. Fear can be paralyzing. If you're not careful, fear will rob you of the opportunity to do the will of God. Let's give you an example, Matthew 25. The parable of the talents, when the talents were given out and the man with one talent went and buried his in the earth, what was his excuse? He says, I was afraid. You see, he allowed fear to rob him from the known will of God. Now, be careful this morning. Believe it or not, in spite of this preacher, the Holy Spirit of God will make his will known to you today. He will let you know if you're lost. He'll let you know if you're out of the will of God. He'll let you know what he wants you to do. And next thing you know, you start getting afraid. Well, God's wanting to change my life. And you allow fear to dictate your obedience rather than just trust God for what he knows that he's told you to do. There's been some times in my life fear was a good thing. You know, fear keeps you from stepping out in front of a bus. I hope so. Some of you, I might wonder, you know, if, if you're some of those people that I've been behind in Hattiesburg lately, then you're not afraid because you pull out in front of everybody. But you're afraid to get run over, so you look right and you look left. Look, that's why so many of you wash your hands 35 times a day. 
And you have hand sanitizer. One day they're going to find out hand sanitizer causes cancer. You watch it. And some of you are going to die. You know, look, I shake a lot of hands in my profession, okay? I'm still, I mean, my hair's falling out. Maybe some of my hair's falling out. I don't know, but why do we wash our hands so much? Because we're afraid we're going to get sick. I don't want to get sick, and so we wash our hands. Listen, there's a time and a place where fear is good. The Bible says in Proverbs that a prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself. So fear can be a good thing, but fear also can rob you of the opportunity to do the will of God. God comes to us in a church service, and he knocks on our heart's door and wants to reveal his will to us, and we're like, show me first. Show me first. He called Abraham, and the Bible says that Abraham went out not knowing. Why wasn't he afraid? Because he had faith in the one who knew where he was going. Listen, whatever God stirs your heart to do today, from the lost to be saved, or the saved to find the will of God for your life, you don't have to be afraid, but you can trust in the one who knows exactly what he's doing. These shepherds allowed God to interrupt their night. They were afraid, but the Bible says there's a reassurance in verse number 10. We'll look at it here in just for a moment. Matthew chapter, uh, Mark chapter 5, we read the uh, account of Jairus. Oh, how Jairus is heartbroken that his daughter is sick and comes to Christ and finds out that in the time that it's taken him to get there, she has died. You remember what Jesus told him as soon as they gave him word that she had died? He says, fear not. Fear not. Now, I want you to think about this. When Jairus came to Christ, he came in what? What? Faith. He says he can heal her. And he came in faith. But then when he found out that she had died, the Bible says that Jesus looked directly at him and says, fear not. Why? Christ could see right down in his heart and saw that his faith was being replaced by fear. Now listen, if you're not careful this morning, you'll have faith to trust God for the little things, but you'll allow the fear of the big things to overshadow it, and you're going to miss out on what God desires to do in your life. I, I meant to read the story the other day, but it worked out. I didn't read it then because I'll read it today. During World War II, someone from the Defense Department was interviewing General Patton. And they came to him and was speaking about all of his bravery and was pouring on the accolades of uh, his courage. And he says these words, I am an utter coward. The reporter says, what? He says, you do th go through all of these battles and you lead men right into the, the, the face of bullets. He said, there's never been a time in my life that I've been on the battlefield with bullets flying and men dying that my palms were not sweating. The reporter says, if you're so afraid, then how do you make it through this all the time? And his words were simply this. He says, I never take counsel from my fears. Never take counsel from my fears. Can I tell you, that's a good advice for the Christian this morning. Just a few moments, and I say that term loosely, we will stand during the invitation time. God comes to you as he came to the shepherds, and he's revealed something to you. I don't know what God's going to reveal to you today. I don't know what God wants to say to you today. I don't know what the will of God is for your life other than what he's made known to us. But God's going to let you know. And all of a sudden, you've got to decide faith or fear. So I didn't come here today expecting God to do anything. Neither did the shepherds. Do you think it was on their daily planner list, go to work tonight, hear a heavenly choir sing, and get to meet the Savior of the world? That wasn't on their schedule. But I'm glad that God's plans overshadow ours. The Bible says that he came to them and let them know what he wanted to do. And the Bible says they were sore afraid. 
Do not allow fear to rob you of the faith to see God do the extraordinary in your life. The Bible says in verse number 10, or verse number 9, I'm sorry, verse 10, the angel said unto them, watch the third thing this morning. The angel said unto them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. Number three this morning, notice a reassuring about the unexpected. You can really see the love of our Father here and letting them know that when God comes to you and reveals his will and his work and what he desires to do, it's nothing to be afraid of. He reassures them. The angel said unto them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy which shall be to all people. You know, if you're anything like me, there are times I fear the Holy Spirit stirring my heart. I fear the Holy Spirit working in my life. I, feel the, I fear the Holy Spirit interrupting what I am comfortable with in my routine, in my cycle of life. But there's nothing to fear. Now notice why. The Bible says, I bring you good tidings. You know, anytime the Lord knocks on your heart's door, whether as a lost sinner needing Christ or as a child of God seeking his will, anytime the Holy Spirit of God knocks on your heart's door, it's good tidings. It's good tidings. So wait a minute. The other day I was here in church and my wife and I, we had a spat on the way to church and I called her this and she called me that and then she punched me and, and I gave her a dirty look and all of that. And I'm sitting here and the Holy Spirit of God, Sunday mornings can be rough, can't they, on the way to church? How many of you can relate to that this morning? Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. Very good. Very good. Listen, and I'm sitting here at church, and during the church service, the Holy Spirit of God began to convict me about what I said to my wife. That didn't feel good. Can I tell you, be thankful there is conviction. Be thankful he still talks. Be thankful he lets you know you're not where you need to be. You say, why is that good tidings when God convicts me? Because he's given you an opportunity to get right. Be thankful for that. So you don't understand, boy, I've been in church before and the Holy Spirit convicted me about what I'm not doing and the Holy Spirit's convicted me about what I am doing. Be thankful. Those are good tidings. That's the sign of a loving father who wants his children to have his blessings on their life. You know, obedience is the key to God's blessings. Joel Osteen says that you got to mail him some money and he'll send you a little cloth that he prayed on or something, sweat on or something. Why would you want a sweaty cloth? I want a brand new one. Somebody hadn't sweat on yet. And that's how you get the blessings of God. No, I'll tell you, it's very simple. It's obedience. And the reason God convicts us is because he wants us to get back in line with obedience. Why? So that's a loving father, he can bless his children. Because unlike us, listen, God is not going to condone our disobedience. He wants to bless us and he wants to use us. That's why they're good tidings. By the way, the Bible says these good tidings, it kind of gives you a definition in verse 11. For unto you is born this day in the, in the city of David. Notice the next two words, a Savior. You see, good tidings is basically good news. And the gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ, that we have a Savior. There is hope. I'm looking forward to the song service tonight and the songs our choir is going to sing. And my wife's been uh, listening to some of as we go down the road and listen to the message in these Christmas songs about the good news, the good tidings. You see, until Christ, we all lived in bad news. We dwelt in the land of the shadow of death. But because Jesus Christ came, that's the good news of the gospel, that we don't have to die and go to hell. There is a Savior, verse 11, which is Christ the Lord. That's good news. Keep reading verse 10 quickly. 
Behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. Can I tell you, if the Holy Spirit of God interrupts your life today and reveals his will to you, that is the avenue to finding joy. I'll tell you one thing that bothers me. My wife and I have had this discussion so many times lately is how many Christians are joyless. Joyless. Just bad attitude. I, I cannot stand being around pessimists. I really can't. You pessimists get together and form you a club, and y'all can be pessimistic together, but man, I don't like being around pessimists. I like being around people of joy. Listen, I'm not talking about just happy people because they're medicated or happy because they got money or happy because they got stuff. I'm talking about people with real joy. Why? Because of what Jesus Christ did for them. Uh, Listen, the joy is different than fun. Joy is different than happy. Joy is there when it's raining. Joy is there when you have a broken heart. Why? Because of Jesus. That's why we have joy. I bring you good tidings of great joy. So when he comes to your heart today and he knocks and wants to interrupt your life with something totally unexpected, he might just be bringing you good tidings He might be bringing you the good news that there is a Savior and his name is Jesus Christ the Lord. But he might, listen, you might be saved here today, but you've lost your joy. Have you lost your joy? You say, well, I don't have what you have and I don't have what they have and I didn't get this and I didn't get that. Can I ask you a question real easy one, right quick? Softball right down the middle. Do you have Jesus? There's your joy. Jesus says, he says, I speak into these things that your joy might remain, that it might be full. Jesus come to bring us joy in this morning. You may be here and the Holy Spirit's knocking on your heart's door and you keep saying, go away, go away. And you're missing out on joy. Keep reading. Which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Verse 14. The Bible says the angels were singing glory to God in the highest and on earth peace Goodwill toward men. Do you know another name for Christ in the book of Isaiah, chapter number nine, is the Prince of Peace? You've got that do not disturb sign on your door, and God's trying to reveal his will to you for your life that you might have the good tidings, the joy, and you might know the Prince of Peace, but you're not answering the door. You're not going to allow God to interrupt your life. You're not going to allow God to interrupt your routine. You're not going to allow God to interrupt your schedule. And that's why you have no peace in your life. Next to joy, Christians say they don't have any peace. Our life's just turbulent up and down. Instead of being the people of the prince of peace is who we're supposed to be. So notice, number three, there's a reassurance for the unexpected. Last thing, look down to verse 15. And it came to pass as the angels were going away from them into heaven. The shepherds said one to another, let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. So we see number one, God wanted to reveal something to them that was totally unexpected. Their reaction was they were fearful, but God gave them a reassurance. But after all the speaking is done, the Bible says the angels are gone Verse 15, the last thing, there had to be a response to the unexpected. Number, th- number four, look at the response to the unexpected. The Bible says, let us now go, even unto Bethlehem, and see this thing which has co- is come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. Regardless of what God reveals to you that he's doing or wants to do in your life, 
ultimately you can veto that. Ultimately, you can choose not to respond to that. Notice the Bible says, let us now go even unto Bethlehem. You know, when God revealed himself to Moses in the burning bush, Moses had to decide to turn aside and see the great sight. Moses had to make the choice, I'm going to respond to what God has revealed unto me. I believe this morning, so many of us miss out, not because God didn't show us, but because he revealed it and we didn't respond. God knocked, God showed, God said, this is what I'm doing, and I want you to be a part of it. Imagine the privilege to be these shepherds. We got to be the guys that the angels spoke to. I'd be bragging about it the rest of my life. I'm just that prideful. I'm sorry, but I, I am. I'd probably get a bumper sticker that says, I was one of them. Have a picture of a shepherd on there. I heard the angels, you know. And yet the Holy Spirit of God wants to speak to us, wants to reveal God's will to us. He wants to show us what he's doing, and we've got to make the decision to respond. Now, what were they responding to? It's very simple. It's the end of verse 15. Let us now even go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. Here's what it is. Simply put, here's the message. Sometimes God wants to interrupt your life. Sometimes God wants to interrupt your life and do something totally unexpected. It's going to be fearful. It's going to be frightening, not knowing what God is doing. But God says, don't worry, it's good tidings. But you have to choose to respond. Now, what are you responding to? You're just going to decide whether or not you want to see what God has told you about. You've got to decide, do I want to see all of what God has made known unto me? It's wonderful when God puts something in your heart. And you can see it by faith in your heart. But boy, there's nothing like seeing it firsthand with your eyes. God called Abraham. God called Moses. In order for them to see what God had prepared, they had to trust him by faith and respond to what God had revealed. And oh, I think about Joshua and Caleb. When they picked up where Moses left off, Joshua and Caleb were determined, we're going to see it for ourselves. You other 10 guys over here, you don't have to see it. You other 10 guys, if you don't want to see what God's prepared, that's fine. But Joshua and Caleb says, I want to see what God has told us about. I was talking to someone the other night. I'll give you this, and we're done. I still believe in revival. I still believe God can work in this country. I don't believe God's hand has gotten shorter that he can't save and that he can't reach and that he can't send revival in America. I get around some pessimistic preachers sometimes, and I just... Leave them to their pessimistic society of America. But I believe God could do that. I believe God could work. And I want to see it. Yes. I've read about it. I've read about the Welsh revival. I've read about the revivals up in the northern part of our country when, when Tory and Moody, these men would preach. I've read about it and I've heard about it. But now I want to see it for myself. Now, folks, why don't you decide this morning that you've read about the promises of God and the working of God and the will of God, but why don't you decide you're going to do this? Let us now go even unto Bethlehem. Notice this. And see which the Lord hath made known to us. Why don't you decide you want to see it? You ever get tired of hearing about it? Get tired of hearing about it? Everybody tells me about Branson. I have never been to Branson. But I've heard enough about it. I think I may have to go see it. All these people going to Branson, going to Branson, going to Branson. I've heard about it. I mean, I don't know if they're giving away $100 bills up there or what, but so many people talk about it. I'm thinking about going. 
I want to see it for myself. Now you see God working in other people's lives. You could see him working in your lives, but you're going to have to respond to what the Lord has made known unto you. So let me ask you this morning, real simply, what are you waiting on this morning? I think a lot of us are waiting on the unexpected. We need God to get a hold of our heart, to interrupt our life. You take the day planner and throw it in the back seat just for a few minutes and let God interrupt your life that he could reveal to you exactly what he's doing. But God could go through all of that trouble and you never see it if you don't choose to respond. Well, guess what? It's invitation time. It's that moment you've been looking forward to. We're done. We're going to stand to our feet right now. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed.